You're listening to Two Smart Assets with Chris Thompson and Danny Nichols. This is your source for passive investing in real estate syndications. It's time for us to gain knowledge and take action. So let's go. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Two Smart Assets Podcast. I am your host, Danny Nichols, here once again with my co-host, Chris Thompson. Chris, what's up, dude? How you doing, Danny? Man, I am fantastic. It's a great day. The weather's good. Got a good workout in today, man. It's been a good day so far. Uh, uh, how's your day going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, the city just kind of opened up today. Um, and so I tried to go out and get a haircut, but uh, the uh, the world's gone crazy outside. So I just decided to go back home and I'll try again in the next day or two, I guess. Wait it out, huh? Yeah, really, you might, you might need to wait like a week because, you know, I mean, I mean, you're probably not the only one with that mindset as well. So people are going to start filtering in day after day. So you might want to give it a week. I got to say, though, um, I'm right there with you. Uh, haircut is <laughs> much needed at this point. It's, uh, I really don't need anything else. You know, uh, everything being shut down is, uh, doesn't really bother me too much except for uh, getting a haircut in the gym. So I'm, it's, I'm right there with you. Funny. It's pretty funny. And as silly as it is, it's like the, almost the number one primary complaint. I mean, it really is kind of first world problems where <laughs> we're on a kind of a, not exactly a government lockdown, but I mean, and everybody's crying about their haircuts and I'm for whatever reason, I'm right there too. Well, you, but we all know how good it feels to have a haircut, right? I mean, it's yeah. just refreshing. It feels great. So, and all and not, of a sudden, I feel a little bit lighter for some reason. Right. Yeah. And me trying to cut my own hair, that's not going to happen because that <laughs> would be a complete disaster. So, we're not going to go there. So, yeah, we definitely need the the barbers and the and the haircut places to open up uh, mm. as soon as possible. So, I'm I'm right there with you. Here in the next at least week or two, uh, I'll be in line somewhere waiting to get my ears lowered. So absolutely. All right. So we do a little housekeeping before we jump into the episode today. Um, so if you're a passive investor and you're, you want to make some passive income and you're looking to get into investing in real estate, go to our website, twosmartassets.com. We have the guide for passive investing in apartment syndications. And as Chris and I have said many times, investing passively in apartment syndications, it's a great way to get some passive income and just kind of supplement your, maybe your W-2 income or maybe your side hustle income. It's just another income stream. So go check out the passive guide for apartment syndications on our website. Also, if you're new to uh, apartment syndications, check out the sample deal we created. Uh, this will kind of give you an idea of what you're going to see in terms of what an operator is going to send out when an opportunity does arise. Um, it's going to go through the numbers, the type of information um, that's in there will kind of clarify uh, what you're going to see in types of returns, the deal itself, and how like the project and the scope of work is going to lay out throughout the entire investment. So go check it out, twosmartassets.com. Uh, also, if you have any questions about these uh, resources, the documents at all, please um, send us a message, twosmartassets.com. Uh, it's on our contact us page. Check it out for sure. Also, we're on social media, all over Facebook, Facebook Instagram, Twitter. Uh, drop us a note, though. Leave us a comment on one of our posts. We think we post what once a, once a weekday, right, Chris? Yeah, basically. Right. We'd love to connect with all of you. So if you're a fan, and it's just one of those things, if you're a fan of the show, we'd also appreciate if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating, a written review. This really helps us reach uh, like-minded individuals, you know, other investors that could benefit from this type of information. Um, so we want to spread the word and help as many people as we can. So, all right, well, let's dive into the show today, Chris. So today we're going to talk about real estate market cycles, uh, and basically go into different, go into the detail about, 
the different components of a real estate market cycle itself, right? So as you and I both know, we're in trying times right now. It's a little bit different for the last, what, say 10 years or more. We've kind of been on this upward trend of yeah. not 10 years. Well, yeah, probably about 10 years, yeah. somewhere around there. Uh, upward trend in this, in this market style, this expansion uh, of this market cycle. So it's kind of where we've been. And now we're possibly, well, really, we probably are trending into a different phase of this real estate market cycle. So as real estate investors, we're always keeping our eyes uh, open about what's going on in the markets and trying to basically gauge where we're at in the cycle. And this can be difficult, but understanding or at least evaluating what information the market is giving us is important because it allows us as investors to make certain assumptions about potential investments and how they could perform. I mean, we need to understand what are the risks and everything associated with investment. So some of the assumptions uh, that you could make um, with this type of thing is um, basically how long to hold the property uh, or maybe what could be the best exit strategies to implement. Cause you know, technically you want to have more than one exit strategy. And then when you go into maybe a new phase of the market cycle, you need to have backup plans or just at least a good idea of how you're going to exit this. Uh, another one is the potential returns to expect on your investment. Um, Cause these could change due to unforeseen uh, economic circumstances. So this is definitely something to pay attention to. Uh, also the potential appreciation with the property. So this includes, you know, natural and forced appreciation because if there's a turn in the market, well, what's this going to do to the appreciation, especially the natural appreciation, who knows what's going to happen in your market due to, uh, like I said before, economic factors. So this is another thing to keep your eye on. Uh, and also capital improvements, you know, when will these improvements need to be made or if they need to be made? So you need to be paying attention to, you know, if this is something that you want to be doing um, in the middle, say we go into a recession, well, do we really need to do these capital improvements? Maybe, maybe not. It's just something to, to gauge there. So being able to evaluate where we are in the market cycle and applying these assumptions can help clarify good investment opportunities and if they fit your current investment strategy. Uh, and basically one of the things is it can also help you identify or clarify potential risks that come with investment because you know there's always risks risks with an investment and you want to be able to you know kind of ride those waves and be able to mitigate them and kind of see what's going on before you make the investment and this is especially true if you're in um, you know in a market cycle we're in a different phase or a change a transition basically so and then you know so basically when it comes down to us we want to talk about really a market cycle today and phases and with a market cycle there's usually four phases really what the kind of generalize it has uh, the recovery phase the expansion phase the hyper supply phase and the recession phase uh, and these are you know these are the four different components that make up a market cycle and they're called market cycles for a reason a full market cycle has all four of those phases but then it repeats itself if you think of it kind of like a wave coming up and down back and forth it kind of just repeats itself like this uh, in this wave so it's a good way to think about it. So another way to think of it is, is when we begin to transition out of recession, we move into the recovery phase. So say if you start point one recovery phase and you go through the rest of, you know, expansion, hyper supply, and then a recession, then it's going to basically start all over again. So then you go from recession back to recovery. So, all right, before we jump into describing uh, these phases, I kind of want to say that the topic we're, you know, of the topic of basically where we're at in the market cycle anytime at any point is, is debatable. Uh, there can be different views about why we're in a certain phase 
of the cycle. And this is going to, this is going to change depending on who you hear it from. So you may hear conflicting op opinions uh, from other investors, but it's a good idea to take in relevant information and form your own opinion and apply that to your, to your investing strategy. Cause again, you want to do what falls in line with your strategy and you want to make your form your own opinion because not everybody has the same opportunities, right. And, or in the same place or even the same type of investments. So it's important that you, you can take in everybody's opinion, but then you need to filter out basically where you stand. So uh, be working on that for sure. All right. So let's just go ahead and dive in to these, uh, the phases of the market cycle and some of the strategies that basically you could implement in each of these phases. Like I said, there's four recovery phases. And right now we're going to cover the recovery phase. We'll just start there. All right. So as we stated a minute ago, the recovery phase basically follows the recession phase. Everything kind of works in a circle. And, uh, but we'll just, for all intents and purposes right now, we'll say that the recovery phase is number one. This is where we're just going to start. So, uh, like I said, and if you imagine the market cycle as a repeating wave with ups and downs, uh, this phase can be associated with basically the down portion of the wave or the low point. This is where it starts. The recovery phase starts at the bottom because again, you just came out of a recession. So that transition period in a recession, you're at a low. And then as you come into a recovery phase, you start out at that low and then it's starting to uptick and, and kind of move ahead and move up if, if you will. Um, so really with the recovery phase, it's a good time to keep your eyes open for deals uh, where the prices may have been heavily reduced. Uh, but this also means that there could be a little bit riskier or maybe opportunistic property. So it's kind of one of those things when you, when you, when you've just come out of a recession, you need to make sure you do your homework and really pay attention to what you're going to invest in and the metrics and have your investing strategy put in place. That way you can tell what's a deal and potentially what's going to be a money pit. So something to pay attention to. Um, okay. So, Again, if you're looking for an a riskier or an opportunistic property, this type of property could require uh, a heavy lift for repositioning. So this, this is going to take a lot of work. It potentially could take a lot of work if you go for that strategy. And then also with those type of things, if you buy something at the beginning of a recovery period, uh, plan on holding that for an extended period of time, at least a couple of years. Because what you want to do is you don't know how long that this recovery, um, this recovery phase is going to last or how quickly it's going to come up and then go into an expansion, right? So you want to be paying close attention to, um, or at least have a, the strategy of a, a longer term hold. So at least what, two to four years, what do you think, Chris? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I would say at least. Okay. And then, and, and you know, depending on the type of deal you look, you look at or what you're investing in, that's going to change obviously. But um, another thing to be looking for is um, value add opportunities. So similar to opportunistic deals, which are pretty risky, right? Uh, the, the scope of work and business plan should take into account a longer hold for this type of investment. Just for the, you know, repositioning, the lease up, and you don't know what's going to happen to rental rate growth because, you know, you're coming out of a recession, you're going to have, you know, little to no rent growth probably, right, at that point. Mm -hmm. So just, just depending. So as you come into a recovery and it starts gaining steam, then you might see some rental rate growth and then, you know, hopefully it goes up from there. But this is just something to keep in, keep in mind and pay attention to. Another thing is a core property. It's another kind of class to be looking at. Um, if you can find a core property, there's just, you know, nice properties in good areas, basically. Uh, maybe they don't have uh, 
much or any deferred maintenance. But if you can find a, a property like this in, uh, with a reduced price, this can be a great investment if you're in the right area with like strong rent growth, just strong growth, population, all that stuff. If you focus on the rents and the lease up, and then also, you know, making sure this thing is fully occupied. And, but if you can keep this, this type of investment really could hold for the long term. So in this phase, you really want to be looking for properties where the price has been reduced coming out of that recession. So be looking at that. And then again, keep your eyes open for these kind of deals. Who knows what you're going to find, but if you're not out there looking, you're not going to find anything. So just something to pay attention to. Sure. Yeah. You make uh, you make some pretty good points there and you're right about uh, really how debatable this topic is, you know, but really it, it's crucial that investors, uh, you know, take the time and do our own homework. You know, I know we say that a lot, but I think that's going to be the theme uh, for our lifetimes of investing is like, do your own homework, you know, formulate your own opinions of, of where we might be in that market cycle and, and just act or, you know, invest according. But, you know, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's going to be, a, you know, a lot of reputable news sources and, and seasoned professionals, you know, you know, where you can get your information. But the purpose of this episode isn't for us to take any real stance on where we might be. We're just trying to, you know, highlight some of the kind of the key identifiers uh, in each of the phases of the market cycle, you know, so it can help you, you know, start to discover, I guess, for yourself, like, where do you think we might be? You know, does this jive with what everybody else is saying? And, uh, you know, so that way, just have your own opinion. And uh, so that way, you know, when you have a, a vague under, or a, a reasonable understanding of where we might actually be in that, uh, you'll be able to, like, he, like Dan was saying, you know, uh, mitigate those risks a little bit better because there's di- going to be different risks associated with the different parts of the cycle. So you need to know where we are so you know what you're up against, right? So, Absolutely. and really, you know, uh, you know, after that recovery phase, you know, you're going to hit an inflection point and now we're at the expansion phase, right? Uh, during the, the expansion phase, uh, you know, we're really going to experience a lot of population and drop job growth. Okay. That's certainly a key indicator there. Um, the government is probably going to provide some kind of favorable tax incentive or, uh, or initiative or, and sometimes even right to work policies. Um, and we already know a handful of States, you know, they have low to no uh, state income taxes, mm-hmm. you know, but, just increasing these kind of things uh, really just going to enhance, uh, you know, just the, the economic benefits really. And then when, uh, during this phase, you know, corporations are far, uh, you know, far more likely to move into or expand into an, a market where these conditions are right. Well, that's going to turn around. That's going to lead right back to the job growth. So, you know, that, that infrastructure leads to job growth and the population expansion. Uh, and, you know, and during that expansion phase, you know, we're going to see a continued trend of declining vacancy just from the recovery phase. Uh, you know, so as vacancy continues to decline, you know, there's going to be a need for, uh, for new home construction and spec home construction. Um, there's also a huge opportunity for, uh, for potential fix and flips, you know, during that time. So as that vacancy declines, you know, there's going to be a uh, increase in, an increasing growing demand uh, for that housing. So for sure, if you have some property, uh, you know, that was obtained during a decline, it might be a good time to kind of exchange that to do an exchange, you know, and kind of redeploy that capital, you know, into a market that, uh, that has more potential for a little bit of continued growth, you know, uh, just kind of depends on where your property is and where it might be valued. Maybe you're close to it's the top of its value. So, Exchanged out, move into something else with a little bit more uh, room to move. Uh, 
um, uh, yeah, you know, it, we don't really like to try to time the market too much. You never really can, but uh, if you can time it right, and if you can get it kind of closer to the end of that expansion phase, you probably, you know, see a pretty decent little return. Uh, really some of the signs that I see uh, as far as like an expansion phase is like, you know, the, the housing market is just really going to become tight. Uh, there's more buyers than there are sellers. Uh, properties are going to sell in days. You know, they're just going to be very low days on the market and, and the prices are just going to climb during that expansion. You know, like, the appreciation is really strong. So, you know, as we move uh, through time and kind of up, you know, through the growth trend of the expansion phase, you know, we're going to reach a, an equilibrium for a little while, you know, or whatever. Uh, but then when that equilibrium phase has kind of passed, we're going to see a shift into the next phase and that next phase, uh, hypersupply. Right. Hypersupply for sure. And before we jump into hypersupply, I just want to, to note real quick, if you're, when, you know, when you're in an expansion phase, one thing to also pay attention to is what kind of cash you have on hand or what kind of equity you can tap into, right? Because this is one, during one of the, this phase right here is kind of going with Chris, Chris was saying, if you can kind of liquidate one property and move maybe that into a different asset or even just a different market, this is going to be a good time to do it. And if you can free up some cash uh, from a, from a current investment, say you don't want to sell it, say maybe you should do a cash out refi or a line of credit or just however, whatever fits your strategy, this is a good phase to do that in. Cause really when it comes to it, and I think Chris can attest to this, what you'll see is during an expansion phase, uh, lending restrictions will they'll basically lighten up. What would you say, Chris? Yeah. 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 So you'll see, you'll see lending will become easier. You know, rates will be whatever. Actually, I, I'm not even sure what rates are going to do at this point because they're pretty low as it is right now. But uh, uh, this should be a good time basically to tap into some of that cash or some of that equity that you have and move it into another investment, maybe in a better market, depending on where you're invested. So, right. Anyways, all right, so moving to the next phase, and the next phase is hypersupply. So basically, in this phase, what you're going to see is a supply and demand imbalance, right? So uh, this is where the expansion phase moves into there being basically like an excess supply. So let's take an apartments, for example, right? So you have, you have a market, and then all of a sudden, you know, depending on whether too much has been built or just the demand has dropped, what you're going to see, you're going to see basically a vacancy rate. Uh, rising and then basically decreasing rent growth. And this is because, well, if you've built too many apartments, you can't fill them. You know, you, you, you've built faster than the, than the demand. You've supplied more housing than you needed to and you can't fill it. So this is a, this is a sign basically that you can see something when it comes to, uh, you know, that supply and demand imbalance that I just mentioned. So uh, also in this phase, uh, you may see investors selling properties ahead of the upcoming recession. Um, and you know that that the next recession obviously will bring challenges with rents, leasing, and you know what you're going to see in a recession is potentially the reduced value of properties. So uh, you know some investors they like oh you know they might gauge they think you know we're at the top of the market so they're going to go ahead and sell out and you know take their profits and run or maybe put it into some other investment. So but what you'll see is you'll see potentially uh, in this phase. Um, people selling when they gauge that, oh, we're at the top of the market. So, but if there are core properties with high occupancy, strong tenants and leases, you could potentially write out this pending, you know, the recession because we know hyper supply. And then after that, which we'll talk about here in just a second is the recession phase. So if you have a nice property that you think the demographics are strong and your tenant base is strong and you high occupancy and all that, 
then you might be able to ride this out in that um, pending recession. Just something to consider. Hey, yeah, that's a, yeah, you make uh, some pretty good points. You know, I think during the, uh, during the hypersupply phase, you know, it might be a good idea to go ahead and check out some of those A and B plus properties just due to the fact that they're able, they, they might actually be able to be acquired at a, at a deep enough discount that's going to allow for a little bit of cash flow during some of these more down times. You know, those A and B plus properties, uh, they appreciate more. Uh, or they appreciate kind of the most, I guess, when the market begins to take a turn for the better, you know? So during that hyper supply phase, you know, there's going to be, like you said, that increase in vacancy in part due to that imbalance of the new construction and the, and that corresponding absorption rate, you know? So immediately that's that next inflection point where we're starting to tip down into that, uh, into the, uh, the recession phase, you know? So during that recession phase, you know, it could be fairly easy to identify just due to the fact that the hypersupply is not being met with that equivalent demand. So that in that the increasing vacancies combined with the downward trend in rent prices is a dead giveaway, right? So those, the, the rent growth during a recession, uh, it, it can be negative or at, or at levels, you know, that are below the rate of inflation. You know, this is just going to immediately lead to a contraction in the market. You know, so for those of us out here who are paying attention, and have been paying attention and that might be ready with a little bit of capital to deploy and maybe we can handle a little bit of risk. You know, we're in a, a unique position and maybe make some pretty profitable investments. You know, uh, there's really not going to be uh, too much of a shortage of uh, defaulting bank properties. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you're going to have uh, halted construction projects and, and maybe even some parcels of vacant land. So just kind of look and see, like we always say, like do your homework, just keep your eyes open. You don't know what's going to pop up. And if you're prepared up to that point, then like you're, you're primed, uh, you're primed to strike, you know, right while the iron is hot. So really, you know, just kind of getting an understanding or I guess understanding that uh, the real estate uh, is really cyclical in nature. Um, this is really, this is the, buy, the ideal time to kind of buy and hold properties, you know, with the knowledge that the vast appreciate, it will happen. Uh, and sometimes even over a short period of time. So, or relatively really, but uh, you know, those properties can really be sold during the, the next expansion phase, you know, for a nice little profit. Right. So, you know, it, it's kind of important to note that uh, uh, these cycles aren't necessarily equal in duration or in impact. Uh, just because the previous expansion cycle lasted for however many years doesn't mean that the next expansion phase is going to last the same amount of time, you know, and, and it could be more severe or it could be less severe. So no, no two cycles are really equal. Um, uh, the cycles and, and really uh, how severe they, they will be, uh, they're really going to vary on the geography and the, the asset class itself. Uh, different asset classes go through the market cycles at different rates uh, with some of some of that variance can be attributable to uh, the asset class or the that or like where it sits uh, or it's like it's a geographical location. You know, so kind of as an example, you know, the, uh, the office asset class might be in an expansion phase in a given market while in while basically like that uh, a suburban office asset class is could be in recovery while the urban asset class is still in hypersupply. So you really have to dig down deep. Uh, each asset class is gonna, gonna change. It, each asset class has its own ebbs and flows. So just pay attention um, and, and really take time to understand the differences in the cycles. 
you know, this is really going to help help you to uh, help lead you, I guess, to the to logical and perhaps a, an inevitable conclusion that the importance of diversification within your portfolio is necessary. You know, the better you can diversify, uh, the more insulated you're going to feel when it comes to uh, the turns in the actual market cycles. Man, you made a ton of great, ton of great points right there. Absolutely. And the one, another couple ones I want to touch on real quick um, before we run out of time is uh, you made a great point about cycle time, just the length of these cycles. Yeah, they're totally different, right? I mean, you never know how long this is going to last. Who knows, you know, if, if you think we're entering a recession phase right now, who knows how long this will last? It, it might not last long at all, you know, or it might be drawn out. You really don't know. So it's important to kind of look over these things and be paying attention to you know, what the demographics are saying, what the economics are saying about the markets and whatever market you're in, uh, be paying attention to stuff like that. Another one that uh, I want to just basically touch on was, uh, uh, I think you talked about, you know, some, some asset classes are affected more than others, really. And I think what we're seeing right now, at least in regards to renters, or at least rental classes, is the class C I think it right now is hurting the most because uh, what you're seeing is a lot of job losses and those, you know, the working class, the, the, the blue collar, stuff like that. Uh, you're seeing Service a lot of jobs, right. A lot of job losses there. So you're running into the class C right now is hurting. And I know, you know, both you and I have talked before B and C classes where we like our stuff right now, you know, that's, mm-hmm. or that's what we liked before entering this, this phase, you know, so but that could be changing. And, you know, and just like, you know, you and I uh, have to adjust our investing strategy as, as other things change, so should our listeners and our, the investors that are listening to this podcast right now uh, be paying attention to uh, how this is affecting whatever asset class that you're investing in and adjust accordingly, right? I mean, it doesn't mean you need to change, you completely change your strategy, but, you know, what you got to kind of take what the market gives you and if you're just going to plow through with something that's where the market dynamic has changed severely, um, it could be, it could cause challenges uh, in the future for your portfolio. So it's just, just something to take a, take a look at and be paying attention to, but, uh, great points, man. I'm, I'm glad you brought a lot of that stuff up. Um, so we're kind of getting low on time here, but to just wrap up real quick, the four phases of a real estate cycle are the recovery phase, the expansion phase, the hyper supply, hyper supply phase, the recession phase. So dig deep into these. Uh, there's a ton of stuff on the internet about, about all of these phases. So go in, do your homework. Hopefully we provided some good information uh, to you listeners that you can take with you and kind of use as your, as your investing strategy and kind of see where we're at right now. Again, and everybody's going to have a different opinion. Just again, do your homework, form your own opinion and invest accordingly. So, yep. Man, you, uh, you nailed it on the head there. And, and normally at this point of the show, you know, we like to ask a question and just kind of, you know, get a take on uh, how you're feeling or what you're doing. And, uh, and I was thinking about this, you know, considering uh, everything that's going on, I was wondering, you know, you, Danny, like, what's something that you're working on right now, whether it's in business or your personal life, you know, what's something that you're, they're really focusing on. And you know what, there's actually, you, things are pretty crazy right now. And there's, there's actually a lot of stuff that's getting focused on uh, at the moment. I want to say a lot of stuff, but there are a lot of things that could be focused on, uh, you know, business and personal. And I know, you know, you and I are focusing on growing our brand and, you know, reaching investors and helping them invest in deals. But one of the things that I'm really focusing on right now uh, is a personal issue. And it's really, um, so you start your day off and you, I think we've had this conversation and I think we could potentially agree. The first 
you know, certain amount of time in your day is probably the most important part of your day, at least for me, right? Uh, if, if that day isn't kicked off right, then who knows how the rest of the day is going to go. I like to have that, that thing in the morning, that kind of routine that I do and uh, kind of just helps me get through the day and be ready, almost more energized for the day, you know, and I have a plan ahead of me. And sure, there might be a wrench thrown in that plan, but at least I have something where I can go through and kind of plan out my day. And to be honest with you, it takes a lot of time. This is, this is something I, you know, dedicate to every morning. But the one thing I'm going through is I'm rereading uh, Miracle Morning. And actually, I have it right here, Miracle Morning Millionaires. This is the one I have. He has a whole bunch of different ones, but this, the, the Miracle Morning itself has a lot of great information and a lot of tips for basically um, um, having routine, your morning routine put in place to where you can, you know, do the things in here to make you more efficient throughout your day. And I know for a fact, I might not do all the things in this book currently, but I know I utilize uh, a number of things in this book and it has helped me uh, prioritize stuff, be more efficient, more effective, and get a lot more done with my day and instead of kind of just floating around, you know, cause there's a lot of things that could be tugging at you all at once, you know, you know, mm -hmm. come do this, come do that, you know, all the stuff. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that you potentially could be focusing on right now. So really what I'm doing right now is focusing on the stuff that's kind of in this book, some of the information and lining out my day, getting my morning set up, right. You know, working out, doing a little bit of journaling, um, just kind of focusing on myself, getting myself ready for the day. And that way I can just conquer the day and, uh, just take off from there. So I, I fully believe in a morning routine. Uh, I do like mornings. I know not everybody's a morning person, but I do like mornings, but, um, I, I do like morning routines and it, it does help me for sure. But what about you, Chris? Is that, is that something that, that you like to do? Yeah, exactly. You got to, you got to start your day off with a little bit of momentum. And, and some of that stuff is just like, even just small little things. It's that, that small domino has just enough power to, to knock over the next, the one that's just a little bit bigger than it. And so I think, you know, kicking your morning off, right. You know, doing the things that are going to make you feel better about yourself you know, wash your face, get a workout in, maybe jog, like get the blood pumping, read a, read a passage from your book or, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, go over your calendar and just see, you know, what you have going on. And those, those first little handful of things that you can do each day, they, I mean, they, they really do. It seems counterintuitive, especially with working out. Like as soon as you work out in the morning, I thought I was going to be, you know, tired the rest of the day. But guess what? It had the exact opposite effect. So yeah. now I have even more energy to tackle my my list of to do things. So yep. yeah, I mean, and I agree. I agree with you. I actually really like being in, up in the morning. Uh, it can be a little bit of an adjustment, uh, you know, if you're not used to getting up early. But um, I actually really prefer getting up uh, at you know six seven a.m. and right. it just it makes the day so much longer because I feel like time is so fleeting. You know, if you're waking up at 11 a.m., I've already I already have at least four hours on you on whatever you're doing. Yeah. But you know, I I still find myself like waking up early enough in the morning. I I wish I had just a couple more hours today because there's always too many things to be done, and I'd rather spend more time with my girlfriend or whatever. It's like oh, just so yeah, start the morning off right. That way you can kind of consolidate the rest of your time and be efficient through the rest of the day, and you'll have you know, a good attitude about it because you've already had that kind of that endorphin kick this morning and, you know, you set off on the right foot and now you're happy a little bit better for it maybe. For sure. And absolutely. If, if, if any of you have, uh, if you haven't read Miracle Morning or any of the Miracle Morning books, you should get one, at least one of them. He has a whole 
list of different miracle morning books for whatever you're interested in. But uh, I would say definitely check it out. Um, and you know, if you do end up reading this book or if you have read this book, let us know if this has helped you. We want to hear from you, uh, you know, post on our, uh, social media, or you can just drop us a line. We'd love to hear your routines and what's really helped you kind of progress as a, as just a person, whether it's personal or business. So let us know if you've read this book or if you're, if you do read this book, let us know how this has affected your life, um, in any way. So, all right, yeah, well, Chris, it's been a good episode, man. I thought it was a good talk. Uh, definitely important stuff and real estate market cycles, especially with go- what's going on right now. Who knows where we're going to head into this next quarter or base of this quarter, rest of this quarter into the next quarter. So I'll be curious to see what that looks like, but a great conversation today, man. Always good talking to you. You got anything else? No, I'm happy the way this went. Um, I guess we'll, we'll figure out, we'll have another, uh, another piece coming up next week, probably something related to this uh, in some way, but uh, until then, you know. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Hey, we appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.